Okay, let's pray. Father, we worship you and we praise you and we thank you. Or we love you. And we come before you this morning in awe of who you are. In awe of your promises that are nothing but truth. We thank you. We thank you for the times that we are in. We thank you because it leads up to one thing. King Jesus. King Jesus. We love you. I pray that you fill my mouth with your words, none of my own. I give you my mouth, I give you my will, I give you my heart, my mind, my hands, my feet. Do with them as you please. I just ask that none of me comes through, but only you. We trust you in this, Father, because it is you that we seek. And you promised when we seek you. We will find you. You are findable. You don't hide. In fact, you make it plain. But the cost is faith. The cost is trust. And who you are and your character. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Not sure where to start, because I have several stories that I wanna that I want to mention. But I will I will begin with this idea and, and we heard it during worship in I think at least one of the songs, that last song, and you heard it when I prayed. But what has been so boldly on my heart and my mind for the last few weeks, really probably the last month and a half, is this title. You know, we we think of, when we think of Jesus Christ, Christ is his title. He is Jesus the Christ. And in my, what, 40, 47 years of being saved, That is how I have always thought of him. And and that is who he is. Until just recently, what has been so overwhelming in my heart, this idea of King Jesus. Because, see, growing up and studying the Word of God and everything else, It was always in my mind that one day he would be king, that one day, over a thousand years, he will be the king of Israel and he will take his right throne, the throne of David. And I think that's obvious in scripture. What I didn't understand back then, what I have come to understand now is he will take his kingship before that. In fact, he is only waiting on one thing, us. 
He is king regardless of what we say. He is king regardless of what we do. But for his kingdom to be here on earth, he requires his ready bride. He requires the love, the passion of his people. And not his people sprinkled all over fighting and not liking each other or agreeing with, not agreeing with each other, but coming in unified under him. That is a strong kingdom. A strong kingdom is a kingdom unified. Not necessarily the one with the greatest fortresses, the best weapons, the strongest fighters. You look all throughout history, and the greatest kingdoms are the ones that were unified all the way down to every single person. That's what he's doing. He is already King Jesus. But soon the world will see him as king. He will rule through his bride. He will rule through his servants. Until one day he will physically take that throne. And he will rule the earth in a physical form as he by that time will have already done through his kingdom, through his bride. So King Jesus, I, you know, there's a song, I don't even know what it's called. Um, Brooke, you probably hear me playing it at home all the time. Where is Brooke? Oh, you're right in front of me. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Do, do, you know, do you know the song um, where, where it says King Jesus over and over again? Yeah, I guess I... No, 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 no. No, I will look it up because I want everybody to recognize what it is. If I don't shake too much here. Getting ready. Oh, yeah. Yeah, getting ready by somebody, by a bunch of people. Oh, Maverick City and Upper something. Upper Room. Upper Room, yeah. I have been playing that song for the last few weeks. Over and over and over and over and over again. Just because I I love to hear that word, King Jesus. Because, see, that is a physical manifestation of what he is about to do. He is already king of our hearts. He is already king of his kingdom. But the whole reason he came to earth was to open this avenue so we can be his people in his kingdom. And then there would come a time, he knew, there would come a time where in the physical realm his bride would come together. His bride who honestly has been flailing for 2,000 years. Understanding that they grasp at their own control. They compete with one another over people. They compete over people. Why? For that good old dollar. I praise God that he did not allow us to do that. That from the very beginning, he made it clear that he would handle all finances. That it would never be a worry for me. 
that it was never to be an issue for us. Doesn't mean we don't struggle, and we know this individually. It's supposed to be that way for all of us individually. Why? Because he needed to get the mind frame of money being the controller out. It has permeated his church so much. And now, now with this whole COVID crap going on, sorry for the word, but that's what it is. With all of this going on, what is really happening is they are threatening that control to be taken away. That if you don't comply, then you will have this happen and that happen. And see, those churches that are 501c3s, that's a real threat to them. But it doesn't have to be. When we started out, I, I didn't know any better, and we started out as a 501c3. And very quickly into that process, the Lord told me no. So we changed. We changed to the very thing that the Constitution allows us to be. We're a church. We're a group of people that love King Jesus. Live according to his word. And by our Constitution of the United States of America, we have the right to assemble together. Not only do we have that right, but let me be clear, we have that obligation. The bride has an obligation to stand up for her king. That's why Jesus is moving this forward. You know, I mentioned to the church earlier, but I will, I will say it here online as well. We had a visitation this morning. <laughs> and it wasn't ecstatic prophecy. Well, yeah, maybe from the enemy, but... No, it was a visitation from the police, from the county police. They wanted to make sure we were aware of a letter that was sent out a week ago, which I was not. I didn't receive it. So they gave me a copy of it. And in this letter, they made it clear that the state department of health is saying that we must conform to what their guidelines are. I want you to understand that we are not trying to go against anybody's agenda for safety. We're not trying to go against anybody's agenda for the purpose of our health or Delaware's health. But see, there's been a line crossed there's been a line crossed where they shut down the very things that we not only have a right to, but an obligation to. When that is shut down, it isn't right. And the only course, the only course of moving forward is revolution. That's a big, scary word. 
But do you know revolution exists in many ways, in many forms? There is a war in the spirit right now. We know this. We have fought in this. We understand this. See, there's a revolution going on in the spirit. Because it is the enemy, it is satanic forces that have had so much control of this nation for so long. And they're not supposed to. And God has allowed it to come to a point where there's a line in the sand. We've been talking about this for over a year. And this line in the sand is one that Satan will try to cross. God, pushing forward his kingdom, will not allow his bride to be stepped on. Now, we've all had that single choice. Again, we've been talking about this for, for over a year. That we all have, in our own personal lives, seen that line drawn in the sand for us. And are we going to choose freedom in Jesus Christ? Are we going to choose to live under a lie? And live under that oppression. And, and, and make no mistake, this is not oppression from the Democratic Party. It might be a tool. This is not from the Delaware state governor, whatever. This is from Satan. This is him trying to stop what God is doing. Because God is bringing a cleansing now, you may sit there and say, well, yeah, but what about all this stuff, all, all these reasons? And, and they're threatening with, with uh, citation. They're threatening with whatever they're threatening, you know, criminal offense, whatever. What about all those things? Aren't we supposed to be obedient to the laws of the land? In fact, we, uh, a few of us had this discussion yesterday. And, and let me tell you what God has to say about that. Because my own personal belief is you work with the laws of the land as long as they conform with the laws of God. But when it comes to a line drawn where the laws of the land no longer conform with the laws of God, who are you going to choose? I mean, as for me and my house... <laughs> Like Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. Amen. But don't take my word for this. Take the Lord's word for this. Take Paul's word for this. Turn to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. I don't know how much of this the Lord wants me to go over, but uh, let, let me just begin in verse 23. Well, no, let's start in 22. Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Okay, what's he talking about when he says, let us draw near? He's not just talking about drawing near to the throne of God. He is talking about us communing together, us drawing near to one another. 
As you read on, you'll understand that. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. No bouncing back and forth of how we feel, of what we believe, of where we stand. For he who promised is faithful. King Jesus who promised is faithful. Verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And this is the part I have underlined in my Bible. And all the more, and all the more, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are not to turn around and run away from what Satan is trying to push when it conflicts with the Word of God. First of all, we know. We know that day is coming. What day are they talking about? You know, let's, let's go. Let me see where it is. I'm going to hold my finger so it doesn't. Let's go to Second Peter. If I can. No, yeah, one of these days I'll have somebody help me. Wait, did I say Second Peter? No, sorry. Go to First Corinthians three. <laughs> this day that is coming. is a day where truth will be seen manifest. Where it will not just be accepted by faith, but we will see these things play out. We've already said that the next three years are going to be very difficult, but the world literally will change in the next three years. Because although we, we as the bride will go through difficult things, when we choose Jesus... He will bring us to that day where His manifestation of power will be a global thing. He will rule through His bride. Now, if you ask a theologian what that day is, they'll take you to Revelation and they'll take you to after the tribulation. When Jesus comes and He annihilates the enemy. That's the day. But guess what? There is a mystery all throughout Scripture that has not been revealed even until now. And we've talked about it for a few years that there is a foreshadowing taking place with His bride to literally show Israel what God wants to do with them for the purpose of making them jealous. Read Romans 11.11. That's what it talks about. That by this foreshadowing, Israel will see what their Messiah, who they do not even believe is the Messiah, King Jesus, what He wants to do with them because He will do it through His bride. 
I'm going to make a statement. No, I'm not. Never mind. <laughs> there is a day coming that Jesus will conquer on this earth through his bride. That is the ready. That is why he is drawing his remnant together. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about building this foundation. And think in terms of foundation. Think foundation of your relationship. But let's go with uh, verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. It's talking about that same day. It's talking about there is coming a a point in time where the bride cannot hide anymore. You cannot hide under your pastor. You cannot hide under your ministry leader because it will be put to you where you stand for Jesus Christ. Those days are here, guys. They're here. No matter what that looks like, that's why we have to be so familiar with his promises, so in love with Jesus Christ, have a foundation built of gemstones, not ones that can be burnt up like the hay and straw and stubble. When we build a foundation in Jesus Christ and we hit these hard times, even in a physical manner, the bride will shine brightly. That's why the Lord has said these next three years are going to be heavy turmoil. But I'm here to tell you, not for the remnant bride. Now, I'm not saying life will be easy for the remnant bride. Just the opposite. It will be very difficult. But it will be in the form of recognizing what Jesus is doing. Recognizing that He is bringing His Change his recompense, his justice, his vengeance. He's the one doing that. And as we begin to recognize this, this change over the next three years is going to be a flip-flop. Where right now, the powers of Satan have been in charge. They've been in charge of governments, in charge of our government. We've seen that. We see it played out right now. I, I don't know about you, but but we we see this injustice that's that's just so blatant, so out there, so obvious, and yet no accountability. I hold to the fact. I'll say it again. I don't even know what today's date is, but it's Sunday before Christmas. I'll say it again. Donald Trump will remain president for four more years. He will. I have no idea how. Honestly, I don't care. I just trust what the Lord has said. And he has told me come January 20th. One month from today, wow. Come January 20th. Donald Trump will be the president. And the Lord added another thing when he told me that. He said that he will be in charge of the military. I don't know what that means, but I'm thankful. 
you know, and I'm not going to get into what the Lord has said. You can listen two weeks ago, and I, I shared some things that the Lord had said. But it is all building up to this day. This day. When Jesus Christ reigns through his bride. A literal foreshadowing of what he will do in the thousand year reign. What he will do at the end of the tribulation. There will come a moment. There will come a moment. I don't know if it will be at the end of the three years. I don't know if it will be beyond that. I have no idea. I don't know timing. I always get in trouble when I, when I try and guess that. But I can tell you what the Father said. And I'm paraphrasing right now. But he said, I will gather all my enemies onto a single shore. And I will destroy them. The day is coming. This is a day that we have been waiting for and wanting. So go back to where we were. In Hebrews 10, let's read this again. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I'm going to read this. Lord, you just place it on hearts as you will. This has been something that the Lord has taken me to the last few weeks. And he's told me, the the entire thing is highlighted in my Bible. And then different highlights, even, even through there. The Lord said, this is what is happening in a foreshadowing right now of, of the bride. And I'm just going to read out of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is such an amazing book, but until you understand the mystery of the bride, you don't understand the fullness of Ezekiel. You don't understand the fullness of any of the major or minor prophets. Chapter 34 of Ezekiel, I'm going to just read beginning at verse 11. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And again, think in terms of the bride, the scattered bride, the scattered remnant. I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered On a day of clouds and thick darkness. (laughs) And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. 
There shall, there they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep. Between rams and male goats. It is not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture. And to drink of clean water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet. And must my sheep eat where you have trodden with your feet? And drink what you have muddied with your feet? See, when he shared that with me. I just want to give insight into the thought process that he placed on my heart. The muddied water of our churches today is not feeding from the Lord directly, but feeding through a program. Feeling compliant, feeling good because you go Sunday morning and and feel like you did your dues because... You worked in a Sunday school class, or you sang in the choir, or you sang on the worship team. See, those are muddied waters if it's not directly from the Lord. If your communion is through people, if your communion is through program, and your communion is not in direct relationship with the Lord, in the sweet conversation back and forth with Him, then it is subpar. It will not hold up. The foundation of that is wood, hay, straw. And God says here in the foreshadowing of what He will do with His church is He will judge between them. He's not talking about just other nations that come against His people. He's talking about His people that come against His people. And the sad thing is, that is no more prevalent today. It is, it is all over the place today. We talked about it before. The competition between churches. I didn't realize how strong that was. Because, you know, all the years that I've been here in Delaware, I had a lot of pastor friends. Right? And they, they all happen to fall within the same groove. So maybe we didn't have, you know, anything to fight about. But when we started this church five years ago, and the, the, Lord, the Lord just came down heavy on our lives, showing us who he was. Guess how many of those friends stuck around? None. None. It really showed me the division within the bride. I had known about it a little bit before. 
And even in the first few years, I would pursue other pastors thinking, okay, well, maybe, maybe my doctrine's different now, so now, now I gotta make a whole new list of friends. You know, maybe of the same doctrine, so let me go that direction. That didn't help either. See, they're competitive. They hold on to their own. In some cases, in probably most cases, they're more comfortable with the control than they are to let God be King Jesus. But that's what he wants. What is coming in the time that we're in now is no joking matter. As he said here, the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in his justice. Let me just keep going to the end. We're at verse 20. Therefore, thus, thus says the Lord to them, behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey and I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. We will all be under Jesus, King Jesus. That's why if churches or individuals for that matter would see him, have relationship with him, look to him for their leading, we would unify. We wouldn't try and control. We wouldn't try to hold on to our own. Because we would just, he's the, he's the ultimate coordinator. He's the ultimate coordinator. I don't have to worry about, and I, I say this for everyone here, I say this for everyone listening online, I don't have to worry about my position in Christ. How the Lord will use me. What position will he place me in? How will people know the things that he has called on my life? How in the world will people know? That, wait, wait a second, you're, you're taking up my spot there because the Lord's called me to that. See, I don't have to worry about that. Why? Because if I am looking to Jesus and they are looking to Jesus and each of you are looking to Jesus, Jesus is the coordinator. He's the one that will tell this piece goes here. This piece goes there. And he looks at each one of us individually and he, and he says, he says, you are a piece of my mosaic. This is the piece that you are. I need you to fulfill this piece. He's the one that does that. All we have to do is be right with him. Live in purity with him. Be excited about him. King Jesus. Listen to that song. I just, I, I keep playing it over and over and over again. Because I imagine when the ready bride is all assembled and, you know, they'll be global, so I'm not sure how that's going to be, but maybe we're all online somehow. I, I, I have no idea. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. But when, when I imagine when we're all assembled and he is there, us just shouting that, King Jesus, King Jesus, King Jesus. I can't wait. I can't wait. That's what we're fighting for. We don't have to be afraid of what's coming. We don't have to be afraid of somebody knocking on the door and bringing a citation. I don't know about you. I've gotten speeding tickets before. That's what a citation is. Now, in this case, it says a criminal citation. Okay, thankfully, I haven't done that before. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. Just as Daniel walked into the lion's den, he was not afraid. Why? Because he knew what the Lord had for his life. With Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went into the the fiery furnace knowing that their God was able, no matter what. Didn't matter how hot it was. No matter what we go through on this earth, in this life coming up in these next three years, we know our relationship with the Lord will sustain us. Trust in that. If you have not built relationship with the Lord, do it. It's just a heart posture. It's just a yes, Lord, and actually meaning it. Choosing to walk in that purity because it is impurity that keeps us from Him. And some of the impure things are obvious, but some are not. Fear is an impure thing. We're not to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. By the way, it doesn't mean that if fear hits you, you're immediately impure. No, I'm sure, I'm sure David had some butterflies walking onto the battlefield with Goliath there. Put on a great game face because of his confidence in what the Lord had said. But you can't tell me that he wasn't like feeling that adrenaline a little bit. That's okay. It's when you give into fear that it becomes impure. When you step away from what you know you're supposed to do. And we as a church will not. I, as a servant of God, will not. Because relationship with him and spurring you on to love and good works is way more important to me. Way more important. See, God will vindicate. We don't have to worry about that. He just said it here. That he will, dis- he will judge between the fat lambs and the thin lambs. Those who control, those who control their own lives, those who even worse control others. See, he will bring his justice to them. So we don't have to worry. In fact... This is what we've been waiting for. That day. That day. I I almost feel like 
it said, and even more so as the day approaches. So maybe there comes a time when when we're meeting more often. I don't know. We're to stir each other up to love. Not stir each other up to revolution. <laughs> the revolution is what God will do. We love. You know, the, the two police officers that came this morning, and they, they were the nicest people in the world. They were great. You know, all, all, all but apologized for what they're having to do. And when we stir each other up for love, love is going to be the reaction. When we face some of these things, when we face injustices, it has to be faced in love. Why? Because that's what we're meeting for. (laughs) We're meeting to stir up love within each other. This camaraderie, this, this team that has just a single leader. That's Jesus. So I don't want you to be afraid of the coming days. But I want you to understand that we all do have a choice. It is not about compliance within a legal law. It is about compliance with God and what he has said. And I'm not talking about something, well, he told me, so you've got to believe it. No, we just read it. I'm going to read it again back in Hebrews. Hebrews 10, verse 24. This applies now. This applies now. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I think it's obvious it's drawing near. So let's stir each other up in love. Because, see, King Jesus deserves it. He is our king, he is our leader, and he deserves our passion. These people that have to do a job that they don't even like doing, they deserve our love. They don't deserve our compliance. They will not get my compliance. But they deserve our love. Because, see, Jesus loves them as much as any one of us. He wants their hearts to be purified with him as well. That's what God's doing. Just trust him in it. Alexis, come on up. So good to have him back. And what an important word. Um, I can't help but mention my life verse, 2 Timothy 1.7, which is, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that is exactly the point that we're in right now, because control is a manifestation 
of fear. Doesn't mean there's not other factors, there's pride, there's other things, but when you are in fear, one of the ways that that manifests is in uber control. And so we're seeing that the entrance of this demonic um, COVID that came in, which, uh, as I had said last week, if you attach fear to anything already known, it will ramp up the intensity of what people believe it to be. You add fear as an element to anything that we might already even be used to, and it will become a new monster. Because fear is a spirit. And in the demonic realm, unless we learn and walk in our authority and know how to cast down these demonic suggestions and these proud arguments that do come against um, the knowledge of God, uh, we will always be overtaken in it. And 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 are so, so important. But it is... um, we're going to close in prayer, and I just I had to say that the only thing that really stood out to me that is so important in this idea of and, and importance of love is when he made reference to puzzle pieces, and that how we when we seek the Lord, he when we seek the Holy Spirit, and we for ourselves um, by faith receive that what the word of God says is that we will hear the voice of God when we live and walk and move and have our being in him and hear his voice. We do get um, portions of his plan that as we work together, the puzzle is completed. But the interesting thing is, um, if you have ever worked a puzzle, my mother is a puzzle master. She has, she gets, she makes these puzzles and then she frames them and has them on beautiful pictures all over her, her home. And she just loves puzzles. Well, some people are driven to addictions when they do puzzles. They're so infuriating because they don't do them very well. Um, they can be, you can either love them or be frustrated. But it's interesting, if you've ever seen a puzzle board, if you have like a 5,000-piece puzzle board and a puzzle pieces, if you take one piece and then another piece and you're looking at the picture and where these two fit in, you could almost want to just bet hundreds of thousands of dollars that there's no way that these two pieces are part of the same scene when it's completed. It's so hard to see until you begin to see the puzzle form together that, yes, those two pieces were, in fact, for that same puzzle. It didn't. One of these pieces didn't come from a random other puzzle in another box. But when you can't see that, it's really hard because they may look so different and look like they don't fit. And it's only God, it's only the unifier that completes the picture, completes the finished work, is God by his Holy Spirit. And that is where um, we are being brought right now, but it takes a tremendous amount of surrender. And just like what we spoke of, the women in the the, um, women's class this morning, um, so much of this is based on our surrender and our obedience. When we step and we walk in obedience to God, that is, that's what's going to be, bring the strength of our faith. You know, often people will um, say that, oh, yes, if, you know, when hard times come, you know, I just serve God and I love God and I would never, I would never denounce him. Well, you know, in this foreshadowing, we are already in process for the global domination that is Satan's plan. See, as a counterfeit, Satan is counterfeiting the plan of God. The readying of the bride, the army rising up, 
to, to begin to be ready for him to, to come and rapture his people home? Well, Satan kind of counterfeits that, and he has his own army that is, is rising. And this is where the war intensifies. And, and by the way, in that, it's, it's a shame that when you hear, and you, by way of their testimony, and now it's been exposed openly, when witches and witchcraft can fervently, nonstop, organize and gather curses and conjure and, and send all this stuff, this new agey stuff and straight out witchcraft, to complete their tasks. When their fervency out-intensifies the fervency of the James 5.16 church uh, mandate, that is a shame. And we need to be people of prayer. If When we don't pray, we don't think there's not a counterfeit uh, power that is trying to rise in its place. But the, the effectual fervency of a righteous man produces great results because the Spirit of God is more powerful. But it's so important that, um, that we, we recognize that this is a time of um, a process of global domination. And, and don't ever think that you'll just suddenly burst into this place of faith. If right now you don't walk in faith and in obedience to what God is telling you to do in the smallest areas, if, if we don't stand up as a small church, um, then the next pressures that come, we surely won't stand up to them. You, you can't justify little areas of disobedience and say that, well, that's really not a thing, but boy, if this happened, I know I would obey. It doesn't work that way. When you're faithful in little you'll be faithful in much. And you'll be allowed to, to steward more as well of the blessing. But sometimes there's this deception on the bride where we just suddenly, well, yeah, if I do that, I'll, I'll be great. And that's why people leap from um, bad habits all the time to just, well, if I do a New Year's resolution, I, I'll just stick to it. And then they wonder why they don't ever stick to it. You, you have to start with one step at a time in obedience. And each step... That you take in faith, saying, Lord, I can't do this. Apart from you, I can do nothing. But I'm going to take this step of faith. I'm going to obey. Then he gives you the strength for the next step and then the next step. And so right now, the bride, we are experiencing pressure. We're experiencing a, a squeeze on our liberties. But it is nothing compared to either what other nations deal with in, in many cases, but it's nothing compared to what we will see in this nation. We are seeing this control rise and rise and squeeze and squeeze. And remember, oh, goodness, uh, Hebrews 10.25, the Lord ever liveth, Jesus ever liveth to make intercession. He, by his, with his grace and his mercy, continues to go before the throne and says, Okay, just give him one more week. Give him, one, give him more time. Give him more time. He, he wants to pour out his grace, but God's holiness says, yes, but my justice is coming. And Jesus knows this. But he is fighting for us to not cave now. If you're caving now, then when the pressures ramp up, you will not stand. It, it starts right now. This is the practice process. We are in practice for all things. And those that would never have dreamed that they would take on the mark of the beast, it looks much like what it is now. How far will you go to allow someone to um, tell you exactly what to do and, and with the threat of you can't eat, drive a car, 
travel, or anything without this level of compliance. That's essentially what the mark of the beast is. Take on this mark so you can continue to live. Who will choose God in those moments? Right now, there are very small choices we have to make. But we are in process where larger and larger ones are coming against us. And so it does just boil down to, are we in our own strength or are we going to surrender to God and be obedient to him? And say, as Greg said earlier, so such a great, famous phrase of Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Um, every believer ought to have that stance. And not let circumstances create a new theology, a new doctrine to try to justify why, well, yes, but I didn't think it would, you know, would imp- impact the store I always go to. I never thought it would impact my desire to travel. I mean, you know, it's okay if I just comply here and there. So it's really important that we know what the Spirit of God is saying. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. Um, because uh, it has begun. It has begun. We've, we've been in it. We're feeling it more today. Um, but those statements um, will be a, a real reality here more and more in the days to come. But let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Thank you, God, for this word this morning. God, thank you for how often you have warned us. God, We say it sometimes so flippantly, but thank you, God, for your grace, your mercy, that you plead for us to have more opportunity to choose you. And yet we know that every day that that door is closing of your justice, God, doesn't mean that you you give up on us, Lord. You always will uh, receive a heart that turns to you, God. But there are levels of things we will miss out on because of Um, a lack of obedience, a lack of faith, a lack of surrender, and a lack of trust. So God, I just just thank you that you've given us another clear warning because you love us so much. God, help us to stand firm. Having done all to stand in Ephesians 6 with the armor that you have given us, praying always in every and on every occasion and in every situation in that full faith place. Lord, we love you. We praise you, God. Let us never speak out what we will not follow up with our actions, God, because you have told us in Hebrews that faith without works is dead. Lord, we want to live what we say that we believe. We first just want to believe. And so, God, help us to be believing believers. God, I pray that for the bride. I pray that for God's people, God, that they would trust you, that they would recognize That as everyone just seeks you purely, that all the puzzle pieces can fit together. God, only you can give the discerning of spirits with people that do go astray and get involved in heresy. And God, without your direction, Holy Spirit, without your guiding us into all truth, we can often point fingers at one another. So we need you desperately, God. We need you desperately to unify. There is no human understanding or reasoning that will lead us to unity apart from you. We desperately need you. We need to hear you. Hear your voice. Thank you, God, that you speak. You don't speak to a hierarchy in the church. You speak to every single one. My sheep hear my voice, and they know me, and they follow me. God, I pray that be said of us, God. Help us to recognize how you speak and all the different ways that you speak, God. Because it is so beautiful. It is so wonderful. So, God, we worship you today. And, again, thank you for this great word. In the name of Jesus.
Amen.